Welcome to the Woodland Heights Baptist Church Sunday Talks podcast. Sunday Talks is a weekly roundtable discussion about theological and cultural topics. For more information and show notes, visit whbcconway.org forward slash Sunday Talks. Here's your host, Pastor Larry White. Welcome to Sunday Talks. We are in the midst of our summer Uh, going through the Psalms, Psalm 51 through Psalm 60, and today we come to Psalm 54. Uh, Last Sunday we took a week off as we were celebrating the 4th of July with our church family out at uh, Toadsuck Park, and tonight we come back and it's good to get back inside and be back in this passage of Scripture. Um, Last week was a hot, hot Sunday evening, and and again, this week it's been really hot. It's been a great uh, heated summer for the most part, and thinking about this as I come to this 54th Psalm is that sometimes in the summertime with long days, particularly if you're working outside, you get hot and you get tired and physically you begin to uh, feel exhaustion. It doesn't take long before our physical begins to impact our emotional and spiritual as well. And sometimes spiritually we get exhausted partially because of what's happening to us emotionally and, and physically. And that's why I heard someone say this week about the Psalms, that they are the songs for our soul that we sing songs with our voice, we sing songs that, that maybe warm our hearts, but but the Psalms really speak to my soul, and that's one reason I love this book. Before I read the Psalm, I want to do what I've been doing in the previous weeks. When the Psalm has a heading, I want to uh, go over that because I believe that's important for us to understand the rest of the of the Psalm. The heading for Psalm 54 says, To the choir master with stringed instruments, a masculine of David, when the Zephites went and told uh, Saul, Is not David hiding among us? And so uh, David, again, the writer of this psalm, as he wrote many of the psalms, is writing it out of his own personal experience, out of the things he's done. He gives instructions about how it's to be played and with the stringed instruments and how it would be sung as the people of God gathered together. And of this specific occasion when the Ziphites, which were a people that were in Israel in the, in the area nearby, who were also Jewish people, who really turned David in to Saul. Saul had been tracking down David and trying to attack him and kill him. And so he's turned in by really some of his own brothers. We saw this a couple of Psalms ago in Psalm 52 when Doeg the Edomite also uh, turned David in and said, here's where David is. And so this song is sit, writ, written in response to those that event with the Ziphites. And so with that in mind, I want to read uh, Psalm 54, 1 through 7. I'm reading, as I always do, from the English Standard Version. Here's what the Word of the Lord says. O God, save me by your name and vindicate me by your might. O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not seek God before themselves. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He will return the evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness, put them to an end. With a freewill offering, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from every trouble, and my eye has looked in triumph on my enemies. He starts this by saying, I'm praying this, I'm saying this according to your great name, according to who you are, your person. In fact, the na- our name uh, means something when we say our name. Uh, in fact, I've heard people say that the sweetest sound anybody hears is, is either their own name being spoken or the name of somebody that they love, somebody that, that maybe your spouse or your children to hear their names is empower- powerful to you. Sometimes we talk about uh, our family name, our last name, that the, the character and the reputation that goes with that we want to uphold our family name Uh, but 
we mean that basically just the word uh, and not so much the person. Um, God's name tells us everything about Him. That's why the Bible says that we do things according to His name. It's for His glory and for His name, for His character. Um, and so we know that when we pray to Him, we can pray according to His name, and that gives us confidence and encouragement. This whole psalm is just a psalm of desperation, of a desperate man whose heart's hurting from discouragement, of being wounded by, by people that were should have been his brothers. He's physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted, and so he writes this uh, prayer out to God. And it has a really good outline to me of, of just really three different parts here. The first three verses speak of the desperation for God that David had. Verses 4 and 5 of his dependence on God. And then the last two verses, 6 and 7, speak of his devotion back to God. It's the same pattern David uses many times where he starts off in a deep discouragement where he's defeated, where he's where he's down, and then he ends up uh, at the end praising God and honoring God. So let's start there in, in verses 1 through 3, just the desperation for God. In these verses, in this first verse, first two verses, he makes his plea for help. And then in verse 3, he tells the Lord why he's got the problem in the first place. Uh, this appeal is based, again, on the name and character of God, that he's praying because this is who God is, and this is the power that God has. And uh, the, the, more, the more you know about God, the more you understand the kind of God that he is and that you know he's able to help. And uh, David saw this, and so he's crying out to him, Please hear my prayer. The big part, again, of prayer is acknowledging who God is and what, he's, what we understand about Him. His desperation shows He is totally dependent upon God, that He's trusting in God. He has nowhere else to turn. He's, he's not seeking help from anybody else, but He's turning to God. And when we cry to God that way, we are at the place God wants us to be. When we're still trying to hold on to our own flesh, our own power, our own ability, our own knowledge, or even that of others, instead of going first to God, then we 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 are we are uh, empty. But when we empty ourselves completely of our own ability and totally depend upon Him, that's where God wants us to be. So David's right where God wants him to be. And then he says in verse three, "Here's my problem: people have risen against me." Ruthless men, he says, are seeking my life. He uses the word strangers to describe them. But he doesn't mean strangers in the way we would think of strangers, the people that you don't know or you don't have uh, any understanding about them, people that are foreign to us. When he says strangers, I believe he's referring to their actions. Though he knows them. He knows this is the Ziphite people. This is the people that, if you read other parts of the Bible, David had helped them when the Philistines attacked. He had come to a neighboring village and helped to help that people out. Uh, and so these are people he knows, but their actions are strange. Their actions are those of a foreigner. Uh, and there's nothing like this. Uh, the, the wounds of a friend are the worst kind. Uh, likely all of us have experienced that at some point in time. Somebody that was close to us, somebody we love, somebody that we called friend has betrayed us, has let us down, uh, and has suddenly become your enemy. Uh, time does not give us time. We don't have time today to, to uh, really to go into that and give too many examples, but I think we could all agree that that's happened and will happen. So these strangers for David are his fellow, fellow countrymen, people that he knew, Jews like him. Their actions are foreign. They're uncalled for. And there's a sermon there for the church today that when those within the church treat each other like the enemy, when we malign each other, when we act as strangers, uh, we, we are not doing anything that's helping them, nor are we helping God. We're certainly not helping ourselves, and we just need to be warned by, by that, that we need to treat each other like brothers. So David pleads for, his plea is for vindication, for deliverance, 
And in doing this, he shows the second part of this, verses 4 through 5, he shows his dependence upon God. He's totally dependent upon God. He gives an explanation of who God is in these fourth and fifth verses and what God will do. First, who he is. He says, he's my helper. He's the upholder of my life. What a wonderful God that we serve, that he's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's ever-present. He has no limitations to his ability or his knowledge. And yet we can say of him, he's my helper. He's the one that upholds me. He's the one that comes alongside me. How many times we attempt to do things on our own, in our own power, and we have a helper available to us all the time. I often do this around our house when I'm doing some work outside, and, and uh, you know, Carla is usually busy doing something in the house, working inside, and I'm outside, and there's a project maybe I've got to do where I really need another set of hands, or I really need somebody else to lift the other side of the wheelbarrow, whatever I may be, I may be moving around the yard. And... Instead of going and asking for help, I will just attempt to do it on my own. I will try to accomplish that. I was doing this other day, lifting something too heavy to put in the back of the truck, and it's all I could do to get it there. And I did manage to get it there, but it would have been a lot easier had I called on the help that's available to me. Well, God is a constant help. He's a constant uh, companion to us. And verse 5 says what He's going to do. He's going to be there to be faithful to us. And, uh, and the reason we know what, what He's going to do in future occasions, as David did, is because he's seen God do it before. God's not, this is not new. His name suggests that He always acts according to His character, that He always does what He's done before. He rights wrongs. He corrects things. He corrects people. He acts with justice. And so David prays accordingly. He says, return evil to those who brought evil on me. Bring justice. Justice in the eyes of the psalmist here is, is bringing this to an end and bringing them to an end. Now, if you're like me, you read this. We read this in the 21st century, and you're, you're praying in verse 5. Uh, in your faithfulness, put an end to them. Uh, that sounds way harsh to us. And how how could how could we ask God to do that? How could we do that? Um, Jesus told us in the New Testament to love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you. Paul said, "Bless those who persecute you." So how do you reconcile Psalm fifty four, a prayer that says, "Bring my enemies to an end," to with love your enemies? First, here's the way I would describe that is that this psalm is a is part of David's prayer journal. These are these are his these are just his heartfelt, his gut, his gut feelings as he's experiencing them. He's writing these things out. And maybe you've never been there before, but I certainly have been, where I'm hurting and just I just lash out maybe even to God of what's in my heart, what I'm thinking, and I'm not sharing it with anybody else. We've got David's prayer journal here, him just expressing how he feels. And we have his open heart, and he's honest with God about that. In fact, I would encourage you to be honest with God. God knows your heart anyway. And he is capable of hearing our hearts and and healing the hurts we have. So when I read the psalmist, I can identify with many of his sentiments. When, when he's got anger, when he's frustrated, when he wants justice. I've been there, and it's certainly we all have when we've seen great injustice done. But second, I think it's in Scripture, and, and we can reconcile this because God is a God of justice. He does right wrongs. He does correct things. He does make things right. And David's not asking for the opportunity for himself personally to bring his enemy to an end. He's asking God to do that. He's asking God to take care of this. Really, it's another, again, a great example of his dependence upon God. God, I'm not going to take care of my enemy, but I'm going to trust that you're going to do that. And you're going to accomplish his, your purpose in this situation. Uh, He's, he's not going to repay evil, but asking God to do that. Ours is not vindication. That's God's work. God does do it. That's what hell's all about. 
The Bible speaks clearly about hell and about it being the place of eternal damnation for those who've rejected Christ, God's enemies. It's an awful place. We, we sometimes try to make it better than the Bible says that it is. We try to, we try to even lessen the, 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 the timeline of it and the, the effect of it. But the Bible makes it real clear that this is a place of punishment, of, of justice, God bringing about justice that we all deserve apart from Christ. And so he's proven by his actions we could trust him and he is going to accomplish his purpose. And that's what David's praying in this. Take care, take care of your judgment, your justice, and he will do it. He's going to do it his way. He's going to do it in his time. I think about injustice we see in our world today. There's injustice all the time. We've seen mass shootings recently. Innocent lives have been taken. Most recent one to me that I think about that's just even more overwhelming is when I think of, of Roe v. Wade and just abortion uh, as a as a open door and just that it's thinkable in our world that we would murder a child in, in, that's unborn. Um, and, and with the overturning of that, it's given opportunity for states to make those decisions and states are making those decisions. But I prayed for 30 years, as many of you did, and some of you longer than that, that Roe v. Wade would be overturned, that we would get to the place where we are today to have these opportunities for change. And at times as I was praying for that, I, I, I really, to be honest, I didn't think it happened. And when I didn't think it would happen in my lifetime, I only thought things were getting worse and there would be no chance after I was gone that anything would ever happen. And so, But God did it, and He did it His way, and He did it in His time. He is accomplishing His purpose, and that's what the psalmist is saying. I'm depending on you, and I trust you in this. And so he's shown his desperation. He shows his dependence upon God. And then the last two verses, his focus is on his devotion to God. He, he expresses here publicly what he's feeling in his heart uh, in verses 6 and 7. He says, first, here's what, what we do as believers, and then here's why we do it in verses 6 and 7. First is verse 6, what we do. We respond to God with worship. He said, I'm bringing a freewill offering, and I'm bringing my sacrifice to you. This was something that he did as a worshiper, and it was something that was done publicly. These offerings were brought to the temple, to the place of worship, and they were there to be uh, sacrificed, and they were there to be, be uh, uh, to, to, to God. But others saw that. They were witnesses to that. And if, if, if we're truly devoted to God, then our worship is a, is a public thing when we're gathered in corporate worship. We're not doing it to be seen, but people do see what we're doing. And all the things we do related to worship are, are, are uh, a part of that, that shared experience we have. And it ought to be, the Bible says, David even said this, what we offer to God in worship ought to be valuable to us. It ought to be a sense of sacrifice. Our time, our efforts... Our prayers, our gifts, both those gifts of service and financial, should be sacrificial. When we give something that doesn't cost us anything, where's the worship in that? Where's the devotion in that? Worship should cost us something. And, and I hope that there are times in your life where you give something to God, whether that's writing out a check or punching a button and, and, and agreeing to, to, to make a donation. I hope there's sometimes when we do something that we really check our spirit for a minute and think, well, can I do this? God, am I, am I jumping out too far? It seems almost risky. I hope you, I hope you serve the church. I hope you serve in ministry in places where you think, this is really out of my comfort zone. I don't know if I've gone too far. If you never do that, I really question our, really our heart of worship. That There's times that God calls us to step out in faith and, and to do things that are sacrificial to us and, and to risk the comfortable places we're in. And God wants us to offer us offer everything and uh, uh, offering to God anything less than that is really, really can be empty worship. 
Our worship, again, is shared too as well. David did this in the house of the Lord. where Others saw that. Um, this is one reason I love Wednesday night prayer time is that we have an opportunity to share uh, not only prayer requests, but we start off by talking about answered prayer. We had some great ones uh, this past Wednesday when we gathered uh, people just sharing, hey, last week when you were praying, here's something that happened. Uh, one child prayed to receive Christ during that time. Another said we were traveling and we can't, we couldn't believe how uh, we were spared uh, from a potential accident, but knowing that y'all were praying was certainly comfort to us. And that's what we celebrate things that God's done. We do that publicly. That's part of what worship is. We gather together with God's people. And while we can worship alone, and there needs to be times that you worship in your own quiet place and that and that uh, uh, just you and God, that's needed. We also need public worship where you are gathered with others. In fact, if you never have public worship, you and gathered with others, Unless you're homebound, or unless you're, you know, in in a in a place where you just can't, can't, others can't be around you, you need to be gathered publicly. There's just something about that. Not only is it not only is it a blessing to you, but you become a blessing to others in that shared experience. You're missing out on a huge part of worship, and unless you unless you do that, um, a public worship is 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 again us gathering together and giving of ourselves. Uh, giving financially, giving sacrificially, and giving of our of our very self. That's again what he's saying here. What we do in worship, and then lastly, as he gets to, to this, he says, "While we do this, he says, and my eyes have looked in triumph on my enemies. I've seen God do what He said He was going to do." He says also in that in that passage that He is in verse seven, for He has delivered me from every trouble. Here's what God has done. David could say that before it happened because he knew God had done it in the past. It's one again, one of the blessings of, of longevity, of time, of being a Christian for a while is that you've seen God's faithfulness in the past. I quoted Andre Crouch many times. I love this song because it's, it's beneficial to me when uh, I'm going through a difficult time or when God has answered my prayer, when He's delivered me from some trouble. He said, if I never had a problem, I, would, I wouldn't know that you could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God can do. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all. For from every trouble, David said, God has delivered me from all my troubles. Has God been faithful to you? Has He delivered you from troubles? Has He delivered you from many troubles? Things that you can look back and say, well, I didn't know how I was going to get through that, but God came through and He was faithful. And as He's done that, here's something to think about. How many troubles has God delivered us from that we never saw? We didn't know that there was trouble. We didn't know that there was an accident up, up ahead and God diverted us in another route we didn't know that that uh, there was a potential sickness or, or or problem there and god intervened before it came our way when there was disaster coming our way just like a tornado or a hurricane and it rerouted a different way how many times has that happened and god has intervened just like a an adult pulling a child away from danger that the child never sees and may never know why their parent picked them up and took them away from something because the parent could see it, but the child couldn't. This is what God does for us. Again, that last line, I've seen with my own eyes the triumph over my enemies. May God grant you that same joy of seeing your answer, your prayers answered. He is going to answer our prayers. Sometimes it's delayed. Sometimes it will be on the other side of death. But regardless of when God answers, we're encouraged to pray Him because Jesus said, pray daily that you would be delivered from the evil one. One day, all of our prayers will be answered. Everything we prayed about, God's going to have, have accomplished His purpose. Jesus rose from the dead with a mighty triumph over all His foes. 
It's just some of them we don't know yet that they are defeated, and, and they don't know that, but he has, been, he has been victorious over everything. But one day, we're going to reign with him in victory, and everything will be, will be ours. Every prayer will be answered. Every, every enemy will be defeated. Amen to that. I want to thank you for joining me through these psalms, and particularly through Psalm 54 tonight, as we just go through this as a part of our summer at Woodland Heights Baptist Church Sunday Talks. And I always tell you, if you if you are listening or watching this, why don't you let me know that. I appreciate when you share that with me. A friend shared with me just today, hey, I, I got behind, but I caught up this week. And so maybe you've been doing that. You can always go back and listen to other other of the podcasts and, and uh, uh, programs and videos. Uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll be here again with Psalm 55. And until then, I hope the Lord is with you and, and uh, you are close to Him and you call out to His name and pray to Him and uh, see Him do His work in your life.